Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Omniverse podcast. It's been a busy week around these parts, but uh, that's nothing new. Uh, We had a good Easter and uh, all the other assorted things that are going on this year. Uh, This uh, thing that's got me excited the most recently is uh, an upcoming uh, opportunity to go to the mountains for a men's retreat and, of course, the upcoming trip to Baltimore, Maryland for Balticon. Uh, The writing output hasn't been quite what I would have liked, but I am writing and uh, trying to get you guys more stories out there. So this week, I just want to remind you guys about 52 Weeks of Indy, 52.scottroche.com. And I also want to remind you that I do have some new stories up uh, at Amazon and Smashwords, so you can go check those out. Uh, Also, go ahead over to flyonpress.com slash flagship. We'll have a new issue up shortly. And uh, that's about it for this week's news. Now on to a little bit about this week's story. Last week we had Witchy Woman. That's a story you can find in Tales from the Grim Reader, Volume 1. This week's story is also in that volume. It is uh, a little story called Dry Spell. This is my stab at uh, a writer writing about writers writing. (laughs) Hopefully that's a little more fun than it sounds. And in this particular universe, uh, uh, I I think it will be. Um, So I hope you enjoy it. The reader this week is Paul Ellis. He's got a history in broadcasting and copywriting, and he's trying to get back on the podcast uh, horse and on the riding horse. So I wanted to get, I'm glad to give him this opportunity to read my story for me. Uh, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. And you can find his website at dsnight.blogspot.com. That's dsnite.blogspot.com, uh, where he is blogging about his NaNoWriMo project from last year and other assorted things from around the interwebs. So go check that out. There's going to be a link in the show notes, of course. So you can uh, click the link if you can't get it from the audio. And we will see you next week. Enjoy the story. I'm Paul Ellis, the voice of Squire Trelawney in Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island, adapted by the Pirate's Cove podcast, available at flyingislandpress.com slash cove. You're listening to Tales of the Grim Reader, Volume 1, by Scott Roche. Dry Spell Zane stopped in front of the bookstore and looked at the stark sign. The Grim Reader was written in white Gothic lettering on a black background. It swung back and forth, groaning like a cheap hooker. He walked in and was hit by the strong smell of old books and formaldehyde. The proprietor, who sat behind an ancient roll-top desk, looked like a good candidate for embalming. His lanky frame was encased in an archaic black suit that offset the man's ghastly pallor. His thick white hair was brushed back and showed a prominent widow's peak. No emotion showed in his washed-out blue eyes as he looked up at Zane and nodded. Good afternoon, Shah. May I help you with something today? The old man's voice was strong and crisp, with an accent he couldn't quite place. Yes, sir. I'm told that if I want to find unique books, this is the place. I pride myself on my wares. Most of them are one of a kind. My name is Zane Royce. 
He extended his hand, and the old man took it in his own. Zane noted that the man's skin was almost feverish, and his grip was incredibly solid, despite his sickly appearance. The man's eyes didn't even flicker at the name. People around here call me Old Will. It's a pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you, Will. I'm a writer. Perhaps you've heard of me? I wrote Call of the Black Swallow and Midnight's Toil. I'm afraid that I don't read much modern fiction. Occupational hazard, you see. Is there something specific I can help you with? I need something I can really lose myself in. I need to disconnect for a while and see if I can find my muse again. A bit of a writer's block, eh? Yeah, I need something inspirational. I have just the thing. Come with me. He led Zane towards the back of the store and took out a small book bound in gray leather. It had a clasp rather like a diary. Will stroked the spine once before taking it from the shelf. This belonged to Stuart Jameson, a rather obscure writer from around here. It is a writer's journal he used. It has some drafts of the last stories he ever wrote. None of them have ever been published. I think you'll find them engaging. He handed the book to Zane. Do you mind if I read a bit of it before I buy? Please do. I don't believe in letting anyone purchase a book unless they're sure they'll find it satisfactory. Help yourself to a seat. Can I get you a cup of tea? No, thank you. I would hate to spill. He sat in one of the high-backed leather chairs and used the small silver key attached to the book to unlock it. A black-and-white picture fell out of the very front into his lap. The man in it wore the clothes of a great white hunter. A pith helmet practically swallowed his head. His lip was covered in a handlebar mustache and a thick pair of glasses perched on his nose. Zane chuckled and tucked it back into the book. The first story he came across was entitled Bloody Sand. The even script flowed along, and Zane felt himself being drawn into the story of a young man who had been kidnapped from his family and made a Roman slave. The Gaul, whose name became Marcus, was sold to a gladiatorial school. The story went on to tell of his first entry into the Colosseum. Zane began to see spots before his eyes, and a dull roar filled his ears. He pressed his eyelids shut and rubbed them, and when he opened them again, he saw something that disturbed and confused him, a hallway leading to the open floor of the Colosseum. The dull roar coalesced into the roar of the Roman crowd. The strong odors of sweat, burning pitch, blood, and the musk of large animals filled his nostrils. A broad, short blade dragged at his right hand, its weight unfamiliar. A white linen skirt was belted around his waist, but he was otherwise naked. He was booted into the sunshine and heard a voice behind him. Pick up your shield and fight, boy! Fight as you have never fought before! Looking down, he saw an oblong wooden shield. He took it in his left hand and turned around to look for his encourager. As the gate swung down, he saw the figure standing behind it had a prominent mustache. He shook his head and turned around to take in the view of the Colosseum. The noise of the crowd had tripled when he came into their sight. 
The weight of the sword seemed familiar in his hand now. He noticed, too, that his body was that of a strong young man rather than a middle-aged man with a six-pack-a-day Pepsi habit. Across the sand, he saw a man with a crested, full-faced helmet and armor covering his legs and right arm coming at him. He held a trident in his right hand and a net in his left. As he came in range, he jabbed the long weapon at Zane's stomach. Zane twisted aside in time to avoid getting skewered on the spear's tines. The crowd cheered and then quieted in anticipation. Zane and this man circled around each other for a bit. The man thrust at him a few times with the three-pronged spear, Zane blocking each time with the shield. The man used the net like a whip and managed to ensnare his right leg. He jerked and sent Zane to his back. The shield went flying, but Zane held on to the sword. The man advanced and stabbed at him with the trident. Zane twisted, and the strike missed its intended target, only managing to scrape his neck. It burned, and Zane felt anger well up in him. Grabbing the trident behind its head with his left hand, he struck upwards with his short blade. He buried it up to its hilt in the man's stomach and twisted. Blood poured from the wound, bathing Zane. He jerked it free and rolled to his feet, narrowly missing getting pinned by the man's body. He was covered in blood, sweat, and sand, but he didn't care. He soaked in the crowd's adulation. The screaming almost hid the sound of the growl from behind him. He turned around again and saw the ten-foot-tall grizzly bear. Zane screamed in terror and tried to back away, but he knew he would never make it in time to avoid the paw, coming to take his head off. He closed his eyes and waited for the blow. When it didn't come, he opened his eyes and found himself seated in the bookstore with his mouth open in a silent scream. It snapped shut with a click. He was sweating profusely. He looked around for old Will and didn't see him. That was interesting. He knew he had an active imagination, but he had never quite gotten into a story that much. He set the book down on a small table and ran his fingers through his hair. He took his handkerchief out to wipe sweat from his neck and winced as he felt a sharp pain. Looking at the cloth, he saw spots of blood on it. His mind went blank. So, how are you finding the book, sir? Zane was startled by the voice. He looked up and saw the old man standing over his shoulder. Oh, excellent. Incredible, in fact. This is a fantastic book. You say this man is pretty obscure? Practically unknown outside our little town. Well, I don't understand why. In any event, I must have this book. How much? Well, it is quite a piece of history. And it's one of a kind, as I said. But... For a fellow collector, I think I can let it go for ten thousand. Zane couldn't believe his luck. That's a steal. I'll take it. I obviously don't have the cash. I'm staying here in town at the arms. I can have my bank wire me the money tomorrow. That's acceptable. As you're staying in town and strike me as a man of honor, I'll let you take the book with you tonight. Take my card and call me tomorrow with payment details. Shall I wrap it for you? No, that's fine. I'll take it as is. That's mighty nice of you, Will. He stood up, tucked the book under an arm, and shook the man's hand again. Once back in the sunshine and fresh air, Zane began to doubt his experience. Touching the wound brought credence to it, though. He had read that such wounds could occur psychosomatically. Regardless of the cause... He finally felt his creative juices begin to flow. He practically ran back to the hotel. 
He wanted to strike while the iron was hot. Once in his room, he took out his notepad and a sharp pencil and sat down. Nothing came. The pencil was a lead weight in his hand. The well was still dry after all. Zane took the journal and settled back onto the single bed. He decided that another dip into Mr. Jameson's journal might be just the thing. He let the book fall open towards the middle. Oddly enough, it opened to the beginning of another story, this one called A Life of Piracy. Zane tore into the story, which took the form of a buccaneer's diary. The person in question was Thomas Smythe. He had gone to sea as a child and eventually found himself a deckhand on Blackbeard's vessel after having been kidnapped. He started to get involved in the story as the Queen Anne's Revenge overtook a merchant vessel. Zane again began to see spots before his eyes and the dull roar returned to his ears. He pressed his eyelids shut and rubbed them, and when he opened them, he was standing on the deck of a ship. The roar of the cannon made him jump. The first odors to assault him this time were salt air, cheap rum, and gunpowder. A broad cutlass was shoved into a red sash around his waist. He had a flintlock pistol in each hand and felt a scream of rage welling up inside him. The ocean churned between the two ships as they were dragged closer together by pirates pulling on boarding tackle. Gangplanks lowered into place, and the pirates rushed aboard the doomed vessel. Zane emptied both pistols into the crowd on the other side of the plank and ran across. His first foe was a man with a plumed hat and metal armor covering his torso. The mustachioed man swore in Spanish and struck out with his cutlass. Zane twisted aside in time to avoid getting split down the middle. The swords rang off each other as the two men tried to cut each other down. The Spaniard pulled a pistol from the small of his back and fired it into Zane's right leg at point-blank range. He felt his leg shatter and went down on the deck. The armored man advanced and slashed at him with the sword. Zane felt his left hand go numb and saw blood spurting from the stump where his hand had been. Drawing on his last reserves, he swung his sword up and sliced the man's head from his neck. Blood poured from the wound and mingled with the blood from dozens of others. His vision started to dim, and he closed his eyes, waiting for the end. When it didn't come, he opened his eyes and found himself lying on his bunk, sweating profusely. He looked at his wrist, and it was encircled by an angry mark. At first, he felt elated at having survived, but then something else started to creep in. Neither of the stories themselves were particularly imaginative. Zane certainly felt qualified to spot a hack. He had been called one enough, and this guy seemed to fit the bill. However, he couldn't deny the exhilarating physical transportation that had taken place, and it did seem to be breaking through the chains that bound his muse. He jumped up to write, hoping that the close proximity between experiencing the story and actually writing would help. In a short time, he had an outline for his next novel and was well into the first chapter. His hand hurt like hell, and he had gone through two pencils and half his legal pad in the process, but maybe his dry spell was over. Satisfied and exhausted, he fell into bed and a sound sleep. He woke up hungry and with a headache. He looked at his watch, and it was almost noon. He yawned and stretched and went over to look at the notes he had made last night. The first chapter looked great, and the outline was good until he got about halfway through. After that, it dissolved into chicken scratch. Zane discovered with mounting panic that he had no idea what came next. Well, that could be easily fixed. One more foray into Mr. Jameson's world and he would be set. He really thought this new novel had Pulitzer written all over it. 
He sat at the desk and flipped open the journal to what he guessed must be the last story. This one was a detective story called The Persian Locker. The first few pages had him hooked in a huge way. It had nothing to do with kidnapped half-naked boys. It was a wonderful locked-room murder mystery. Zane could see movie possibilities here. He was well into a scene where the detective was going to reveal the murderer when he saw the telltale spots and heard the roaring. When he opened his eyes, he saw a white expanse of wall in front of him and heard giggling behind him. Trapped you too, hey? came a quavering voice. Zane whipped around and saw a vast, empty white space extending behind a red Victorian armchair. Seated in the armchair was a man in his middle thirties in a smoking jacket. His jet-black hair was plastered to his head, and his blue eyes shone with a manic intensity. "'Where the hell am I?' The man twirled his mustache. "'You're in the world of the book!' At this last word, he began to laugh shrilly. His laugh broke off suddenly. "'Don't worry. You're not here forever. We all fade away eventually.' He began to cackle again, and Zane's stomach began to sink. Some days later, Marie Dubrowski, the proprietor of the Lumiere Arms, stopped by the grim reader. She came up to old Will's desk and handed him a gray book. I believe this belongs to you. Why, yes, Marie, thank you. I understand Mr. Royce disappeared. Not the first time that's happened. All his stuff was in his room. We gave it to his agent, but I found the book with your card inside and held on to it. We found it just sitting on his desk, open to a blank page. Fascinating. He had come looking for something to inspire him. I guess it wasn't quite what he needed after all. Well, I wouldn't say that. His agent found a partial outline for a novel. He told me he could probably get some hack ghostwriter to finish it, and it would be on the bestseller list before year's end. Well, that's fortunate for his publisher, I suppose. There is personally nothing I find more odious than an unimaginative writer, unless it's a plagiarist. May their own pen be the death of them. What are you doing for Memorial Day weekend this year? Hi, I'm Philippa Ballantyne, and what am I doing on Memorial Day? I am going to be hanging out with the largest collection of podcasters in America. I'm going to Balticon. That's Balticon, the Maryland Regional Science Fiction and Fantasy Convention held Memorial Day weekend each year. For more information, go to balticon.org. I'm not going to sleep with all of them. (laughs) 